0: episode four of uh, series two of the parent podcast from the poolside pass. This podcast episode in particular is relevant to coaches, sports scientists and of course parents and we welcome our guest today Thanasi Kapasakalis of Tea. Uh, Their aim is to accelerate the dissemination of information and updates on swimming testing and research. Before we begin our topic, just a quick word from our supporters, Streamlined. Become a qualified swimming teacher with Streamlined in as little as six days. Learn at your own pace and be guided by our expert tutors. You can do your training face-to-face, online in real time or a combination. Assessment can be in your club, using videos or attending one of our assessment venues. We offer tailored High quality support. Quote, the poolside pass for an extra 10% discount.
1: Hi, Thanasi. Welcome to you, Fabrics. Hi, Hi. nice to be with you today. Thank you, thank you. Thank you Um, very much, thank you very much.
0: Swim Tea's goal is is to set off the abundant information provided by sports scientists and uh, swimming coaches. Um, And Thanasi, you're um, you're an exercise biochemist and swim coach, um, which is a fascinating uh, uh, job title, and we're going to come on to come on to that in a minute. Um, Thank you. Uh, our main topic today, um, everyone, is uh, we want to look at the re- of how research can assist training, and additionally how biochemical, for example, lactate monitoring can assist training and help swimming performance to improve. Uh, Um, And uh, let's start, Thanasi, by really sort of um, the beginning, really, um, with asking you exactly what is an exercise biochemist? And and, and secondly, really, how that symbiotically works with your work as a swim coach
1: on a day to day basis? Yes. Well, an exercise biochemist is uh, someone who studies the effects of exercise and training on biochemical markers. Uh, In other words, it's uh, it's someone who is monitoring uh, biomarkers in active people and athletes uh, aiming to understand the effects of exercise and training and then to improve training by giving guidance and suggestions according to the changes or fluctuations found in these biomarkers. Uh, The aim is to improve uh, performance to uh, prevent health issues obviously and um, you know there are a lot of uh, fascinating and complicated uh, biochemical um, functions in our bodies and uh, we really have to you know take all these things happening in our body and uh, understand what all these uh, changes all the concentrations of uh, these uh, parameters uh, mean to us, and then uh, help coaches and swimmers, athletes in general. We, it's swimmers are our interest, <laughs> so it's uh, about uh, helping active people and athletes improve their performance by understanding the biochemical the changes happening in our body during exercise. Mm. Mm. Uh, Exercise biochemists may be working in uh, research settings, in academic uh, positions, uh, doing research uh, on these kind of things, or in applied settings, uh, actually working with athletes and coaches, uh, monitoring uh, biochemical parameters in an uh, acute exercise settings or in long term, uh, only the long-term effects of uh, training in uh, bio- on biochemical markers, and then uh, make out what really works best for the athletes according to the interpretation of uh, these results.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And, and and you obviously a uh, swim coach, head coach of a of a club in in Greece on a day-to-day basis as well.
1: Yes. Well. Uh, to present myself better so somebody can understand. I, I was a competitive swimmer. Then I studied sports science. I have a bachelor in sports science and bachelor degree. Then my master and my PhD were on human performance and health. And during all these years, my research was focused in exercise biochemistry and in particular in swimming, in competitive swimmers, uh, because it was my job uh, from then to be a swim coach and then as I progressed to postdoctoral research I kept on uh, you know digging big uh, deeper and deeper on the effects of exercise in biochemical markers uh, and uh, how swimming training or um, how the swimmers react the swimmers bodies react to the training stimuli uh, from the biochemical point of view and you really get a lot of information so um, yes my main job, uh, if I can call it that way, all these years was to be a, a swimming coach. But I'm an active researcher uh, in exercise biochemistry. And uh, my love for swimming uh, has uh, um, provided me uh, the chance to have uh, uh, you know, the ability to study swimmers, to study swimming training, to study the effects of swimming training. On biochemical markers, on mostly blood biomarkers, and uh, this information have uh, you know widened uh, uh, my knowledge and helped me to help other coaches. uh, Since I collaborate with coaches to providing guidance after, obviously biochemical testing. That's a fascinating job that you've uh, that you've got there. (laughs) <laughs>
0: i really like it at least <laughs> yeah keeps you on your toes um can we just uh, perhaps get a little bit of an explanation of the work that swim T, um uh, for, for listeners out there swim T is uh s-s-w-i-m-t um and and, and what work that swim T does around the world to assist swimming coaching and relevant sports scientists to keep up to date with swimming research uh, progress
1: Yes, it was uh, something that I I wanted really to find on the, inter- on the internet. It, it would help me a lot. so I did I started it myself and uh, with the help of other people. I'm um, you know being a full-time coach, uh, it's really time demanding. A coach has to be on deck and uh, coaching uh, his or her swimmers, has to do managerial stuff. Has to uh, travel for competitions, for training camps, uh, it's really time consuming and uh, it's really hard to keep up to date with all the new research that comes up. So um, these research has to be more easily uh, diverted to uh, the people who actually apply all the findings in athletes and have to really understand them and uh, use them afterwards. So uh, I tried to make something really clear, simple, really simple. Take the abstracts of um, uh, papers focused on swimming, uh, even cut the abstracts to the purpose, the aim of the study and the uh, conclusions because uh, it's really difficult to to read uh, scientifically written abstracts or even the whole papers this time consuming too uh, to post them online and then provide the link for someone who wants to dig deeper or even uh, read the full paper or uh, uh, you know request it from the authors because all papers are not uh, have no free access so that way and when somebody visits uh, swim.wordpress.com can you know just scroll around and find some ideas about what uh, uh, tools uh, exist to study swimming performance or the effects of swimming training find uh, new conclusions create some new ideas and uh, maybe find new ways of testing uh, when uh, you do Uh, a research, you probably test something and uh, maybe a coach can find this information useful, this test useful. Moreover, the results can provide and the conclusions can provide knowledge to coaches uh, about new findings that are particularly interesting to to them. You know, when uh, coaches of all sports are asked uh, about their uh, preferred way of uh, updating their knowledge and, um, you know, uh, learning new stuff, because of uh, very little spare time, they usually uh, answer that my preferred way is to uh, you know s- talk to other coaches, to um, view some videos on the internet, or uh, to listen to some podcasts. And it's rare to see somebody answering that you know I love to read uh, scientific papers or going to scientific <laughs> conferences. <focuses> to <laughs> and it's, it's, it's this is, this is just uh, right. Yeah, I mean. Uh, a, a coach should coach, and the researchers should research uh, doing research. So, but I'm really happy because uh, all these years, the latest years, uh, more and more researchers are actively engaged in uh, involved in uh, applied settings, uh, uh, monitoring uh, uh, competitive or even professional athletes. And, you know, uh, research and uh, sporting practices are coming closer and closer. Uh, and that's what i am trying to do in particular with streaming uh, research and training i mean um, there are a lot of great ideas a lot of uh, successful training programs that will actually uh, would need to be um, you know supported from with some kind of research i mean some training ideas that should be studied and then uh, uh, scientifically prove that this method is correct or has some uh, drawbacks and there are some research ideas that provide useful informations that probably some coaches would like to know but no no don't know that uh, this information exists yeah. so it's really interesting to uh, put these uh, things closer uh, research and uh, training practice and uh, I'm really into this and uh, i think as the years go by they will come closer there are a lot of great researchers actively engaged in coaching uh, and monitoring athletes and now coaches that are researchers so i don't know which uh, I, you know which comes first for everyone but uh, for me it's actually i'm in the middle so <laughs> i i think that uh, more and more uh, things will come up uh, from the, you know, closeness of research and uh, training practice. And I hope that uh, we will be a part of that.
0: That uh, sounds fascinating. And as I say, as we move through the the, the next few decades and everything else, um, the intelligence out there for coaches, um, we hope, will get far greater, greater. And that relationship between swimming coaches and, and, and the science will become you know, very close, close bond.
1: Yes, indeed. I mean, uh, science can, you know, definitely help uh, the job of coaches, the uh, performance to improve. Uh, There's no doubt about that, that's uh, actually what we're doing as coaches is based on uh, uh, scientific findings. Okay. It's uh, that is clear. And additionally, coaches and particular swimming coaches are continuously seeking for new ideas, new training methods, uh, new ways to help their athletes. And uh, you can see that about um, how many people, you know, listen to the podcasts, uh, taking part uh, in uh, seminars and conferences. It's, you know, it's competitive, so you have to be better and better every day. And uh, both researchers and uh, coaches are v- really w- want to get better, uh, and if they collaborate, they will get better faster. You yeah. know, researchers have to understand coaches, and coaches have to understand researchers. So, if we if we help this connection, um, it will be good for all, all of us.
0: Uh, absolutely, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, the next topic we're going to move on to really is about the misconceptions about the body's production of lactate acid and the experiences of fatigue. Um, obviously, there's a there's a lot being written on, um, you know, words and terms like lactate threshold, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, perhaps we, you could talk us through some of the misconceptions.
1: Um, okay, um, for years and years, lactate was uh, Regarded as a metabolic waste product, that uh, and its accumulation was uh, considered as a main factor of fatigue. But uh, in recent years, uh, lactate has proven to be a very important uh, molecule in our bodies. Uh, It's now disconnected disconnected from fatigue. Uh, I mean, um, uh, although still some believe that lactate can cause fatigue uh, based on some findings uh, more and more people now understand that it is not lactate that uh, is responsible for uh, fatigue other metabolic waste pro- products maybe um, other factors uh, like uh, you know uh, the depletion of energy substrates neuromuscular fatigue, um, uh, imbalances in minerals uh, etc etc it's not uh, uh, what we want to discuss today but uh, now lactate is not considered as a fatiguing, a fatiguing uh, molecule moreover lactate now is considered as uh, and i i think that's this is great apart from being uh, an energy substrate uh, boosting up uh, gluconeogenesis uh, uh, lactate is an important signaling mo- molecule and uh, the accumulation of lactate uh, when somebody uh, exercises with uh, some kind of intensity is actually imp- uh, the accumulation of fatigue is important to you know to for um, metabolism for uh, chemical reactions to proceed and then cause uh, some adaptations to then give uh, to proceed some s- signals to other uh, biochemical molecules to go on with some important uh, functions in our body. I want to keep it as simple as I can mm. so uh, the body can adapt to the training stress and become better and better. So uh, we to really uh, put behind the myth that uh, lactate is bad. We have to really put behind the myth that uh, when you do a hard training set, uh, it's lactate that keeps you tired in at night or in the next day, uh, even uh, after a very hard training set that you can, uh, uh, that is able to make the body produce uh, significant amounts of lactate, and you can measure up to 20 or more millimoles per liter in, in blood. Uh, all this uh, lactate will uh, eventually uh, go out; will eventually be metabolized, and after about an hour, the most you will be back to baseline uh, concentration of lactate, so it's not lactate that keeps you tired the next day. I I, I know that most people that will listen to this podcast uh, will probably know that, uh, but I keep l- listening to that. Yeah, I'm being asked about that that uh, when I do a heart training session, then I have to do some lact some you know recovery sessions the next days so I can uh, get rid of lactate, uh, not I, I really need to do some recovery sessions but not to get rid of lactate. Lactate will be uh, in a very low concentrations after uh, an hour after the training set. Mm-hmm. Um, moreover, uh, some people uh, do believe that um, uh, when you do some exercise and you come up with high lactate concentrations, this is not good, this is really stressful. That's probably not the case. We must understand what uh, an exercise set, training set aims to, aims for. And then we will uh, then uh, decide if we want high or low lactate concentrations. This is a training thing. But uh, from a scientific point of view, uh, the concentration of lactate helps other uh, functions progress. So now the scientific point of view turns to, okay, uh, we did a training set and lactate uh, has uh, uh, increased in uh, our muscles and then in uh, our bloodstream. What does it mean? It's not fatigue, but it means something. So Mm -hmm. we're now digging deeper about uh, what lactate uh, serves us for, Sure, if you understand what I mean. it is really interesting, and a lot of research groups are now into this. And I think that the coming years we will, rend, we will re- learn more about lactate and uh, the usefulness of it.
0: Yeah, no, that's an uh, incredibly in-depth um, analysis. Uh, thank you, Thanasi. Um, finally, I mean, the, the ways in which sort of as a, as a corollary to 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 those misconceptions. The ways in which we can really sort of um, lactate threshold is monitored to improve swimming performance is is something that all, all coaches obviously are, um, you know, uh, aspiring to achieve.
1: Okay, um, let me start by saying that um, from a monitoring point of view, uh, lactate measurements, lactate testing is a great tool in uh, coaches and scientists' hands. I mean. Uh, uh you can get a lot of information when you do lactate testing um, when you come up with a lactate concentrations however after a training set or a race it's not the the value that's um that you only have to you know search for the lactate concentration but the why behind this value, why do we find these values after a training set, after a test set, after some, uh, you know, graded test sets that you, most people use. The why and, uh, is that that generates and, you know, the ideas, the knowledge behind uh, the lactate value. So lactate testing is really, really useful. And uh, we really need need to try to make it more accessible to more coaches uh, in more levels, not only in in elite swimmers. But uh, let me tell you uh, the biochemist's point of view about thresholds. Um, If it is aerobic or anaerobic threshold, if it's uh, first or second lactate threshold, A lot of researchers believe that we are uh, searching for something that may not exist. Uh, I'm really not into these threshold methods. I mean, uh, the word even threshold is misleading. Uh, Some people believe that when you say anaerobic threshold and the intensity surpasses anaerobic threshold, then the effort becomes anaerobic. There is no aerobic solely or anaerobic only. Uh, effort it is always both aerobic and anaerobic and uh, it's uh, which uh, system uh, dominates and provides more energy uh, at uh, every uh, time because you can, it's not uh, uh, you say now I'm doing only aerobic training and then only anaerobic I mean it's always both aerobic and anaerobic metabolism working providing energy Maybe aerobic metabolism is dominant in some cases, or anaerobic metabolism is dominant in other cases. But it's always uh, both of them working. So uh, there's no uh, jumping from aerob- aerobic conditions to anaerobic conditions. It's a, like a continuum, and uh, you have to uh, understand that uh, a really threshold is something that a lot of scientists have come up to to uh, describe a point on the uh, lactate-to-speed, lactate-to-intensity curve. So, when you are doing, um, I mean, the gold standard test in swimming is uh, seven 200-meter bouts uh, with a increasing intensity, incremental uh, graded uh, uh, tests. It is the gold standard, maybe some prefer five 200-meter uh, uh, bouts, but uh, let's take this for example. Uh, and you take uh, lactate measurement after it's about, and then you have uh, to draw the curve uh, with the lactate and the uh, intensity uh, on the axis of uh, the graph. This curve is really, really uh, informative. And then um, when uh, people uh, were seeing where science were seeing that after some point on the curve, lactate accumulation was increasingly, uh, was increasing in uh, very fast so they call this uh, point uh, as anaerobic threshold for example but uh, it's really a point on the curve so then uh, after anaerobic threshold came maximal lactate steady state another uh, point on the curve or maybe critical speed or maybe um, the uh, Intensity, uh, swimming speed, uh, speed in particular, that corresponds to a concentration of four millimol per liter of blood lactate. So these are really interesting points uh, on the curve. Um, they are correlated with uh, performance, but mainly with long distance performance, mm. not with less with middle distance performance, and not with sprinting performance. So uh although it's very useful to do lactate testings and plot the curve with the results uh it's really uh, very meaningful to you know to prescribe the energy domains the intensity domains uh called training zones so you get to know uh, in which training zone each time the athletes uh, uh exercises and training and trains uh, these are useful stuff, but um, when you go to check uh, uh anaerobic threshold and you keep your focus only on one spot, you may be misled to wrong um, conclusions. What I'm trying to say is that um, because of uh, now the Abdan resets available and uh, the findings that these spots on the plot, I mean, anaerobic threshold, maximal lactated state, uh, V4, the speed that uh, corresponds to 4 millimol per liter blood lactate concentration. You know, sometimes these uh, zones overlap because uh, it's a very close spectrum, a very close range that this, uh, all these belongs to. And um, when you actually question yourself, okay, what's the meaning? Uh, of it, since it's a, an energy continuum, it's not uh, a very clear spot, then you will uh, eventually think that, okay, I need to know the uh, which speed corresponds to its blood lactate concentration and help uh, to design my training, but it's not that the anaerobic threshold per se is the most meaningful parameter. This is my point of view, uh, because uh, in exercise biochemistry we don't really like the term uh, uh, anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold, but uh, it, as a term, it has helped a lot of coaches and swimmers to understand basic things of uh, energy metabolism, but then it has misleaded us to some uh, wrong interpretations. Uh, for example, uh, the um, much efforts uh, uh, of many coaches and swimmers training to improve anaerobic thresholds. We must train to improve swimming performance, competitive swimming performance. So uh, it's one thing to test and get the results. Yes, I'm really uh, uh, supportive of doing lactate testing. And uh, there are many ideas. There are are incremental tests. There are um, other tests that now come up, uh, maybe step tests again, but with different distances. Uh, there are uh, even new tests that uh, try to seek uh, the lactate concentrations when you swim easily, when you uh, swim with maximum intensity. All these tests help us understand the metabolic profile of a swimmer. Um, and uh, we should try to, uh, you know, do some testing regularly. But afterwards, we have to see uh, which points uh, really are of interest and which we, uh, when, where we should place our focus. I don't think that an aerobic threshold helps sprinters or, you know, the most pool events, maybe more uh, long distance events. We can uh, say more if you want on that.
0: <laughs> maybe that's for another podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, very, very interesting. And um, I mean, to finish in summary, really, have you got any sort of perhaps any tips on any lactate training sets that um,
1: coaches could, could uh, look to do? Um, yes, I mean uh, a, a lot, but uh, when you say lactate training set, or do you uh, uh, want some answers regarding sets that uh, improve anaerobic capacity? You know, pick lactate sets or sets that improve buffering capacity? Um, I mean, training the anaerobic power. The aerobic. Okay. Um, if we need to improve aerobic capacity, my point of view is to swim uh, at the low intensity zone. I'm more uh, a fan of uh, the polarized method of training when you do about 75 to, 75 to 80% of low intensity training, some 15 to 20 of high intensity training and some 5 to 10% of moderate intensity training that's, uh, you know, correlates to anaerobic threshold training. So if you want to improve aerobic uh, capacity, you have to swim in uh, low intensity uh, with a volume that's relevant to the level of the athlete. It's more of a a higher volume with uh, short stops. And uh, when you have to improve anaerobic capacity, then you have to do some uh, short distances, about 25 to 50 meters with maximal intensity and then the rest will um, decide if the set is uh, aimed for improving anaerobic capacity or if improving power long rest is for improving anaerobic capacity short rest is for improving anaerobic power there are great examples when you talk for the aerobic capacity you need to put some more volume some longer distances uh, 200 meters for how many meter bouts even more for distance swimmers when you talk about anaerobic uh, uh sets you have to uh talk about twenty five meter fifty meter or up to one hundred meter bouts uh
0: that's an excellent um quick synopsis there thank you uh fanassi on on those uh examples of, of of training sets um well for me it's been an absolutely fascinating podcast um i've learnt uh, <laughs> learnt a lot um and, um, you know, the work that uh, Swim Tea does is, um, is brilliant at sort of trying to now bring, say, this closer relationship between um, the sports science side of swimming and, and the swimming coaches. And, um, you know, I, I do hope um, your work continues to go from strength to strength.
1: I hope so. It's uh, just an effort to, you know, to assist, uh, you know, uh, the job that we all do. Uh, We all love swimming. We all love to improve uh, swimmers' performances. So why not do uh, something that can help even if one coach uh, gets uh, some ideas? It will be helpful because he will share these ideas later with us. I mean, it's about sharing. It's not about... uh, Uh,
0: Absolutely. It's a very sharing sharing community. Very sharing uh, community. Yeah, yeah. um well thank you everybody um for listening um to the poolside pass podcast and of course you can visit our website www.thepoolsidepass.com um thank you very much indeed uh Thanasi, for your time today and your in-depth knowledge
1: I, I and thank if- you very much and uh i every time you want something more i will be very happy to share it with you thank you very much thank you very much Thank you, bye.